Will, welcome to the RevAmp podcast show. We're absolutely delighted to have you on board um, to share some of your experience and, and everything that's going on for you over at Drift. For those that don't already have the pleasure of knowing you, could you just um, share a little bit about yourself, perhaps your role at Drift and, and, and what you guys are doing over there? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Glad we, we got to find the time. Um, yep, my name is Will Collins. I, I run operations at Drift. Uh, we have a, a centralized operations team, which basically think of revenue operations, uh, data, uh, and, and analytics uh, all, in, all in one place. So that's the team that, that I'm involved in and uh, have the pleasure of, of running. And um, for those that don't know Drift, we are a revenue acceleration platform. We help companies and customers connect and, and uh, we make the buying experience hopefully a whole lot better. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think we're all keen to learn a little bit more about what your platform uh, is going to look like in 2021 and the changes and advancements you guys are making. I saw something else interesting on your, your LinkedIn profile when I was doing my prep, which is uh, your GMAT score is pretty impressive. That was one thing. And, and then the, uh, the thing that wasn't on your LinkedIn profile, but, but I learned from you uh, over time was the fact that you're a, uh, you're a huge Bollywood fan, which is not the norm in the high-tech industry that people would fess up to that. But I imagine uh, that says a lot about you, your appreciation for other cultures and uh, and everything that, that that brings to the table. Yeah, big Bollywood movie fan. I took a course in college that has stuck with me uh, for, for a long, long time. So one of my favorite uh, weekend Netflix pastimes. You know, I read once that uh, India was the birthplace of numeracy. So maybe that's dovetails with your appreciation of data. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. You, you know better than I do. <laughs> we'll see about that. But to kind of uh, to, to bring it back on, on point here, uh, the, you know, one of the, the many topics that we want to dig into and, and the one that we'll focus on today is 2021 planning and what good goal setting will look like. So just kind of help me to understand the context of what you're going through when it comes to 21 uh, planning and doing a good job of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, planning is something that we talk uh, a lot about and, and, and goaling is, is almost philosophical for a lot of people. Some, some people believe, for example, you should set an attainable goal that you can feel good to achieve. Other people believe, you know, stretching is, is really important. And if you stretch high, then what, what's the, what's the analogy or the, the saying, if you shoot for the moon, you land among the stars, right? Um, from a, from a going perspective, broadly, uh, it usually takes us about a quarter, but you know, we, we try to at least first take a step out of our, we call it get out of the building, uh, out of our own shoes, out of the weeds a little bit from, in the past year and look at the market and say, for a company of our size, like what does good look like? Um, so we get a market perspective and we sort of try to come up with what we think our three cases are, our base case, our, or sorry, our downside case, our base case and our stretch case. And, and through that exercise, we, we try to, you know, it helps us illuminate like what, where are we strong? What are we confident in? What are we not confident in? What are the bets we should be making to maybe hit that stretch case? And it illuminates a lot of opportunities uh, along the way. So that's the high level process that we're going through, through right now. So kind of tying that in even more so to, to your role in, in leading the operations side of things. I remember you once sharing that 
that as you entered the uh, the dynamics of drift there was essentially six different departments and each of them had their own set of tools so so just to start off with how did you how did you centralize that and bring it together what was your process and, and thought process there yeah my, my background was more on the venture side so i was i was used to seeing um and the context i brought i was used to seeing you know looking externally at a company and, and asking a bunch of questions. What does gross retention look like? Net retention, growth, LTV to CAC, some of these you know, key metrics and trying to decide you know, whether or not to invest. And the, the challenge I always had was the data was living in different systems, right? Um, and so how many qualified leads do you have? What's your pipeline conversion rate? Um, these are all, you know, these terms require definition and consistency. And, and so um, when you have teams in different tools uh, operating with different definitions, it becomes really, really difficult to understand what's happening. And uh, originally at the time, um, David and Elias coming, coming from, you know, their prior lives on the operations side had the experience of, well, the tools aren't actually talking to each other. So from a customer perspective, it does not lead to a good experience. We call it the Comcast experience. When you call in and someone's like, hey, who are you and what do you want? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm Will, I have a, an open support ticket. Um, oh, let me transfer you, okay. Uh, who are you? What do you want? Oh, I'm Will. I have a support ticket. Uh, what kind of support ticket? Oh, that kind. Oh, okay. Let me transfer you, right? When these systems don't actually talk to each other, it leads to a, a bad experience for customers. So um, we decided to centralize the team because, you know, the phenomenon we saw at the time, sales was in Salesforce, marketing in, was in Marketo, right? Uh, CS was in Gainsight, support was in Zendesk, finance was in NetSuite, and product was off in their own world, you actually want that data to all be centralized in one place. So you have a holistic view of, of your customer and you wanna know from a metric perspective, what the funnel looks like and what LTV to CAC cross-functionally lo looks like. Those are the metrics that you care about. So we brought together those two perspectives and decided to, to, to centralize those three teams I mentioned before. Okay, so fantastic. So as we're looking and kind of Recognizing that that's the baseline for, for how you're going about the challenge of, uh, of planning for 2021 and, and got what good goal setting would look like. I understand that one of the, um, maybe not the right, the perfect phrase, but the business challenges or the changing dynamics for yourself at Drift is the fact that you're moving or you have moved from tool to platform and you have moved from your kind of original starting point as a company of working primarily with SMB. Um, tell me kind of what that shift looks like, what that shift feels like and what challenges that presents for you as you, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we started, um, when we centralized the team building, you know, the common set of definitions and, you know, where data comes from and that sort of common language. So we knew what our funnel was. People were on the same page of what it looked like, et cetera. Right. And we did start in SMB and we continue to, to serve SMB today. Over time, what we have done, however, is, is add on you know, a mid-market segment and an enterprise segment as well. But as we know, those segments behave very differently. How they purchase, how you market to them, how you service them after, after a sale, what they require to be successful. Um, those customer segments behave very, very differently. So 
the way that we connect the dots a little bit um, is, you know, we started with sort of the foundational model and then that model changes depending on the segment that you're in. And so we have different, um, we call them business units adrift, you know, a small business, business unit, uh, a mid-market and enterprise business unit as well. And we, you know, it's a combination of what's our strategy, what are our internal goals, um, you know, where are we investing, but we effectively come up with, with, with goals as a combination of, of those things. And so, um, you know, the example, uh, a smaller business might only be looking for a tool that, that is, you know, some, somebody like our startup plan that, that pays $50 a month for the year. They want low touch credit card. Um, you know, they want to be able to get answers in real time through help docs and, and, you know, maybe they want a little coaching along the way, but it's largely just get in, set up live chat, get going on their own. And that's the engagement that they want. Um, you know, that funnel is, is one funnel we'll look at and, and have goals for. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's our enterprise team where the sales cycle might be six to 12 months and we might be selling a half a million dollar deal. And it requires a buying committee and our goals for that division and our marketing funnel for that division will look very different. So um, the, the, the process itself is, uh, you know, first we had to form that core model changes slightly differently based on the segments as we've added them over time. And then collectively as a team, you know, when we think through our goals and objectives and strategy, you know, we solidify that first and then go to the numbers and make sure our goals reflect that strategy. So that is a challenge within itself. And on one side, I hear two sides of the same piece there. I hear the complexity and swimming up market and, and, some of, what, some of it will always be unknown the first time of doing it. But on the flip side of it, I hear that you're actually unifying the process, you know, moving to that kind of centralized platform story, which is actually bringing in cohesion in the story and the purpose and the methodology, which could actually be making your life easier to some degree. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, even though we're talking about large sums of money, it could be actually uh, making your life easier, which is all good news. Um, and then besides all of that, you're dealing with the fact that we are in 2020 right now. It has been an unusual year, uh, different market dynamics than we've, than we've seen before in, in our lifetimes. Um, and as you look forward to plan, you're dealing with a lot of unknown there. You're probably dealing even with a, maybe even like a hybrid model of continuation as we know it versus some kind of hybrid back to some kind of mixed normality. Um, and everything in between and still unknown variables on top of that. Cause I don't even think the way that be companies behaved and bought and purchased six months ago is the way that they are behaving and purchasing now, four five, six weeks ago, whatever it may be. There seems to be like phases of the grief cycle that people are moving through um, <laughs> as we move forward, even though things in some countries are essentially stayed the same throughout this period of time in terms of physical restrictions and everything that goes with it. Um, so how do you inject and factor that in, you know, is there anything kind of intelligent or special that you guys are doing, uh, on top of your normal kind of planning model to, uh, to address that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's a challenge, maybe even more so now than it, mm -hmm. than it is usually right. Um, given all the unknowns, 
the, the way that I think the, the most helpful exercise that we go through with some of the unknowns and, and, and I joke about this all the time with, with our team is the only thing I can guarantee is that the plan is wrong. <laughs> that is the only guarantee when you go through the planning process, right? There is no way given the, the external environment shifting, your internal strategy shifting, um, there's, there's too many variables to account for. However, you know, it doesn't mean when you go on a long hike, you don't go with a map, right? Um, you want some guiding, you want some, some, some guiding posts along the way. You want some milestones along the way. And I think, um, you know, I mentioned it before, we, we tend to do some scenario planning. So here's what the downside looks like. And the downside isn't so much a downside. It's like, here's what we think we really know. And here's what we feel like, here's what we feel 90% confident that we can deliver, even giving, given all the, you know, the rest of, of, of what's going on. Um, and then we have a base case. The base case tends to be, okay, we've made a bet here, or we've made a bet here, or, you know, we're, we feel pretty good about the proof points we're seeing on, you know, this, this initiative or whatever the case may be. So let's assume that there are four or five bets, we get one or two of those right that we've already made. And then there's a stretch case, which honestly we joke about is like, you know, the will in a spreadsheet just makes up just like, what does perfect look like? And the thought exercise there, I think is the most important part is like, what would need to be true for this to happen? And maybe it is the macro environment needs to change a little bit. Maybe it is you know, this product feature that we're betting on or this new product that we're betting on really takes off. Um, but what happens along the way is you start to get a sense of, this is a lever, this is a lever. Ah, this one doesn't move the needle all that much. This one really does. And I think for us, the, the quote unquote magic or the, or the key becomes, once we identify those four or five, we can decide, you know what, we don't have enough resources focused on that, or we wanna make a bigger bet there. And it helps us isolate what we really think can move the needle. So to be, to be more focused and, and to, to identify what those opportunities are. So there's no way that I know of, if somebody knows, I would love to, love to find out, um, you know, exactly what the market is going to do or what, what, what uh, you know, our current state of affairs with COVID is going to mean over the next six to nine, nine months. But, you know, at least we've got, what we can control and, and what we think the key bets are, um, you know, to accelerate. So interestingly, that makes perfect sense to me, by the way. And uh, so interesting to me to kind of, kind of bring you home here. I'm wondering now, obviously you're, you're a leader in operationally in your company. How has your expectations of, of the team, actually just for, for everybody else, re remind me and just repeat one more time, which are the, uh, the operational teams that now re report up to you in your centralized model? There's more than one, right? It's revenue operations, so think um, uh, sales ops, CS ops, marketing ops. Uh, we have like our data engineering team, which is really moving all of our data back into a centralized warehouse with a common set of definitions. And then we have our 
analytics and data science teams. So with that being said, how has your expectations, you know, as a leader changed in, in terms of what you expect from them um, recently in this kind of last nine to 12 months and, and how will that expectation and how will your expectations be, will be calibrated looking forward into 2021? So I'm also kind of shifting the conversation now, not to just how you lead, but also what people need to do to kind of to deliver and to adjust and to acclimatize um into the strategy that you're uh, that you're executing yeah it's a great question um i always heard i always heard a great um a great sort of or, or a great framework uh from facebook actually back in the day when they were doing a lot of their um you know as their sort of operations were maturing over time and they kind of had three phases how they thought about things the first phase was was, was what they called tracking. Like we need to track everything, right? The middle phase was reporting, not, you know, great, we track things, now we report on it, we have some goals, et cetera. And the third phase was, was predicting. Um, and Facebook, obviously, given all the resources they have, can really take this to the max now where literally, whether you're technical or not, you can actually like using AI project whether or not a change to the, you know, the feed or the site will lead to the impact that you're hoping for. But that's kind of how I think about our team uh, from a macro perspective. Um, the first year or two that we were we were we were you know building the team, we needed to make sure we had all the key data points and we kind of had the foundational understanding of what we wanted to track and why. You know, the last year or two has really been on reporting. Um, you know, do we have all the metrics? Are they surfaced to the team? Um, and and where I'm focused uh, and where I continue to push the team and. Our team's phenomenal and they're patient with me, which I appreciate. Um, how do we get from just a, you know, a reactive report to a proactive insight? Um, I don't think we're, it'll take years in each phase. So I don't expect us to be able to predict, um, you know, quite yet, but how do we look at the data and how do we get insights on a real time, weekly, daily, weekly, monthly basis that we can feed back into the business um, it could be something like these marketing campaigns, this messaging is really working. We want to double down here. We're seeing a great return from this kind of campaign. Maybe it's, hey, we're noticing this new challenge in customer success because CFOs are now going back into their tools and, and trying to evaluate ROI and have we told that story adequately? Um, the key theme for me uh, is how do we how do we move from from a reactive reporting state to a more proactive uh, insight state, and and how do we surface those for the team so that we can, you know, adjust more quickly given everything externally is changing so fast. So has that been a shift in mindset for uh, for individual team members, or has that just been better surfacing of data, but the same routine as before? It's it's uh, so we do the way that we structure our weeks. Um, in the operations team, we, we like kick off every week, which is uh, with our key divisions, which is like, you know, sales marketing and CS in particular. Um, here's here are like the projects and we'll, what we're working on right now. That's usually the beginning of the week. And the back half of the week is usually, you know, a, a pacing kind of readout. So for sales, it's the sales forecast meeting for marketing. It's, it's our marketing pacing meeting. CS ops is, is the forecast meeting as well. But those are the, those are the, the, the times that we have kind of a core set of reports where people will know what's working and what's not. But the shift is now that we have that foundation pretty well, 
what's the next layer? What's deeper? And so oftentimes, um, you know, we'll be, I'll be syncing with the teams and, and asking, you know, each of our members to be coming up with, hey, here's what I'm noticing in the data. I went a step further. Here's what I'm pulling out from underneath and surfacing that to the team. Um, we'll even discuss some of those things ahead of time so that we, we are ensuring that every week we're delivering insight uh, and something beyond just are we, are we on track or off track. Um, so we do have a, we have a structure and a cadence in place with the divisions. Um, and it's really been, been more about like creating a separate section in that deck where it's about, you know, next layer deeper and, and more insight. What I like about that is it frames whatever is happening now as just another part of your evolution story as a, as a team, you know, in terms of the operations team, you know, this is a circumstance, but the evolution story backdates that continues through and will go beyond this moment and just the commitment to that kind of uh, optimization cycle and uh, an insight cycle continues, continues, continues. And, and probably the only good thing that all of this brings is just more opportunity for new rich learning. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think it gives us a great opportunity not only to, to partner with the divisions, but also for, you know, the team and, and we will even have um, people from other divisions join. So we can, we can proliferate cross-functionally hey, here's what I'm seeing in the data. Uh, what could this mean? Let's make sure we have the repeatability and the predictability on a weekly basis to understand the why behind the number. And if we understand the why, then we can understand how to manipulate it or how to take action when something is working or not working. Um, but it gives us a lot of cycles and, and, and with a bunch of us in the room, um, a lot of exposure to what's going on, what the kinds of questions are going to lead, come to after, you know, whatever metric is up and, and hopefully so that we can get, a, you know, a better understanding of the why, which can lead to, to more action. Perfect. You've, you've, named, you've nailed uh, Simon Sinek, you know, to, uh, to answer your why question. William, that is absolutely all we'll have time for today. You've been a, a fantastic guest. We look forward to, you know, to seeing and watching your continued growth and success and, and everything that Drifts are about to deliver just around the corner uh, in 2021. So thank you from, from all of us at the Revamp team and, uh, and of course, wishing you continued success in, in all of your endeavors. Thank you for having me. Had a blast. All right. Well, we'll be in touch and, and looking forward to uh, speaking again. Likewise.